Welcome back, listeners, and happy summer. We're so excited to be chatting today with PMP's very own Susan Andreas. Susan serves as Director of Editorial and Health Literacy. What is health literacy, you ask? Well, that's what we'll be talking about today, so stick around to find out. Let's, Let's get, get into, into it. it. So, Susan, welcome. We're so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you. I'm um, very excited to be here. Yay. So uh, we know that you've been here for a while. Tell us something that people might not know about you yet. That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, people that have been here a long time know that I used to be an English professor years and years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I was teaching and here at the same time for a while. Oh, wow. And then eventually, once I graduated, um, I just came here (laughs) instead of trying to go on some crazy academic job search. So... um, yeah, I don't know if people that I don't know if newer people know that. I did but not I've know been that. Here I didn't know that at all. Yeah. For um, almost fifteen years, It'll be oh fifteen my God. years this summer. Um, wow. So yeah, as I'd like to say to some of the younger people, I've been here longer than you've been alive. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you started, was that originally as like an intern, or were you working part time? I started. Um, yes. Yeah, so I st- I s- I was part time for years. Actually, I started as a freelancer. Um, did part time freelance work. Uh, at the same time that I was in coursework for grad school. Wow. So I was here three days. I was taking classes a couple days. I did that for about six months. Um, and then they really wanted to hire me on staff here. And I said, well, I can only commit to three days. And they said, sure. So I was on staff part time, which was amazing That's and awesome. really generous yeah. because I could sort of make grown-up money while my friends were making, you know, $9 an hour at Barnes & Noble. Yeah, I mean, sure. Need <laughs> <laughs> an extra taxi ride somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> <You wanna? laughs> um, Pre-Uber. So, yeah, so I did yeah. that for, uh, for a bunch of years, actually. I was part-time, and then eventually I uh, graduated from school, and at that point... I actually switched places with the editorial director that was here at the time who was looking to pull back and retire. So we very literally switched places. Like I went into the office, she went into my cubicle, (laughs) she suddenly reported to me. Um, And I just think it's a testament to how great this place is that people are willing to, you know, do that kind of thing for the people that are committed to the company. So, yeah. yeah, So I have a lot of history here. I sort of feel like I grew up, I quite literally grew up here. Wow. That's amazing. It's a little bit inspiring too because I I look to you and I started here also as a freelancer and then Mm -hmm. right out of college. And then they Mm -hmm. were like, hey, like, do you want to work here full time? And then we had to like work together on like me finishing school and do all that. So it's it's truly inspiring to like hear your story. Thank you. Thank you. And know that there's a good road ahead. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. I'm very, I'm very passionate about the company. Mm -hmm. So So why don't we jump into the meat and potatoes of why we are here today Okay. to get to know you, but also to get to know uh, what health literacy means. Mm -hmm. So at its core, Mm -hmm. uh, Susan, can you elaborate a little bit more on what the heck health literacy means? Sure. And what it is. Sure. So health literacy really means someone's ability to understand health information so that they can make appropriate decisions about their health. Um, So more traditionally, I guess it means being able to, you know, understand copy at a certain grade level, that kind of thing. But more recently, um, it really means the whole experience of being able to access understand and use health content. So um, the FDA actually recently redefined health literacy 
as I think the match between someone between the content they put out and someone's ability to access, understand, and use the content. So it's again, it's not just literacy, meaning like a level of being able to read, but actually being able to access the content and use the content to make decisions. Um, it's really about empowering patients um, at the core for me. It's about making sure that patients have the information they need so they can make decisions about their health. Mm -hmm. And I know this may seem obvious to us, but why, why is it important that we empower patients? Um, <laughs> why is it important that they why understand? Should we care? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Of course. I mean, um, well, for starters, I think it's something that really applies to everyone. You know, I mean, the same way that everyone could get sick. You know, cancer doesn't care how much money you make mm -hmm. or where you're from or you know anything like that. Um, but it really applies to everyone be because it's so much more than just being able to read at a certain grade level. Mm -hmm. um, you know, anyone, including myself, anyone, anyone could be stressed out when they're sick. And when you're stressed out, it's really, really hard to understand and pay attention to the content that you really need to know to take care of yourself. So it's super important to be able to put out content into the world that um, anyone can access and understand and use. Mm -hmm. And access has changed a lot, I guess, over the last however many, I don't know, decade or so in terms of what access really means too, right? Like, For sure, yes, yeah. yes. So um, accessibility is definitely um, kind of a hot button term. I mean, in the way we approach it here, when, we, when I say accessibility, I mean, can they literally access the content we're trying to give them? Is it where the patient is? So like, is it, um, you know, if we're, if our patient audience is largely in inner cities, it makes more sense to put an ad on the side of a bus versus, you know, on a, a radio mm -hmm. advertisement or something. Mm -hmm. um, so very literally, can they access, you know, the information we're trying to get to? But then, of course, accessibility has a whole other connotation, meaning, um, you know, can anyone with certain um, physical or cognitive abilities access where they're trying to go? So the same way you would need a wheelchair ramp on a building, you need to make sure you have a website that a screen reader can read, or that um, you know you need to make sure you have a transcript of a video so that if someone can't hear the video, they're able to read it. So, yes, yeah. <laughs> accessibility can mean you know a lot of different things, and it's more important than ever yeah. um, that we honor that. Right. I even know recently um, I was talking to somebody about how they. I don't remember when they added it, but Instagram, you know, added the ability for people posting to add alt text to their photos to yeah. describe it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I don't know for sure how long that feature has been around or like publicly accessible. But we were talking mm -hmm. about how um, this person spends a lot more time now, literally writing alt copy text mm -hmm. and options for their photos because they find it they they think it's really important to make sure that anybody who's using it is is able to access it. Yeah. Um, and so I think more people are thinking about that even in just their own communications, you know, definitely. health or otherwise, like definitely making sure it's accessible. Cool. Definitely, definitely. And that, of course, also affects things like SEO and all that, you know, right. by putting the alt text right. in, you're making, making sure that people can find your information, but also that, you know, your Google search will right. yield those things. Right. Do you think there are any common misconceptions about what health literacy means? Um... I think the misconception, if someone doesn't know much about it, is that they think it's kind of only about understanding 
words, right. only about literacy, only about At a grade level. Yes, of like, X or above. exactly. Yeah. And that, of course, is important. But mm-hmm. I think the common misconception, maybe um, among people, especially that produce health content, is we have to, you know, dumb it down mm-hmm. because patients aren't educated. Whereas, again, it's such a universal thing. I mean, we even apply principles of health literacy to materials we produce for doctors. You know, anyone likes content that they can more easily understand and digest. And, um, you know, it's as much about making it look easy to read as it is easy to read. Right. The assumption shouldn't be that just because you're a doctor that you want to read twice as many words as everybody else. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Of course. Yes, for sure. And, you know, especially considering physicians limited time, you know, especially in our industry, we Mm -hmm. want to make sure doctors can pick up the messages really, really quickly. Um, Presenting them in a way that is easy to understand also equips them to better communicate with their patients so that they're using terms that their patients can understand. Um, so yeah, it's it's super important. And have you yourself been impacted uh, sort of by a lack of health literacy in your life? So my own, to get personal for a second, mm-hmm. my own personal story of health literacy is um, I, when I went to, my, when my husband and I went to try to have a baby for the first time, we ended up doing IVF to conceive. And for anyone who's been through this before, it's a super involved process. Um, It's a very emotional process because you're already sort of, you know, upset that you're not having a baby and so on and so forth. And there's, it's really emotionally charged. But the way it works is you basically get a box of medications, injectable medications, mind you, delivered to your doorstep. You go every morning to get your blood drawn and an ultrasound done. And then that afternoon, based on the results of that blood draw and other things, your nurse calls you and tells you what to inject that day. And so in that whole process, it's not super clear what you're doing. So for starters, many of us maybe have never injected ourselves before. And maybe we're already, you know, kind of an emotionally charged state. Right. Yeah. So to then have to try to understand, you know, the nurse would call me and, and maybe use the generic term for a drug. You know, none of my vials say the thing you're saying. She's like, oh, no, it is that. That's just the generic or whatever. So cool. It was, <laughs> so one of the things I've said about the whole process is, um, and it was successful, and, you know, that's a whole other story. But one, of I, one thing I've said about that whole process is when I signed on for this, they told me that, considering my health and my age, it was about a two-thirds success rate for women. And one of the things I always thought about is, I can't imagine going through that whole thing and then having it not work after all that. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I always thought was, if they could improve the way they communicate the direction, how many of those times that it didn't work was because someone didn't do it right? Someone injected the wrong thing. Someone did it on the wrong day. Some, you know. So again, health literacy is about making sure patients understand everything that they need to manage their conditions. Um, and I really think that that could have benefited from, you know, an app <laughs> or, yeah. A, yeah. you know, something that um, would have just made the process itself clearer. And again, I wonder how much, if the process was clearer, the success rate would right. go up. Yeah, That's unbelievable. That's I mean, I, I wonder how many other circumstances are similar in, in where, you know, you're getting just like, sent a box of very mm-hmm. expensive Yes, medic. yes, that's the other I mean, half you know, of it. Is it's hugely expensive yeah, and usually not covered by insurance. Right. So you're spending a gajillion yeah. dollars You're like, this on is top literal of all of gold sitting right. on my doorstep right. that I'm, I'm trying <laughs> right. to make sure that I use properly and, <laughs> right. and you know, the lack of direction is, is 
unbelievable to yeah. me. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it, I mean, I hope it's something that there there is improvement on um, and maybe there is an app or will be an yeah. app because that seems like insane to me. If but not, yeah, that is that do. is the yeah. Yeah. best <laughs> example of a lack of health literacy yeah. that I can yeah. definitely mm-hmm. And again, I mean, yeah. I'm a mostly put together, pretty <laughs> educated person. Yeah. You know, yeah. like imagine it for someone who was doing it on their own or mm-hmm. who, you know, wasn't very educated or who had a, a low level of literacy. Right. Um, yeah. How they would deal with it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Even something simple as like color coded vials that, you know, something, mm-hmm. you know, just totally. Something. Wow. Um, can you tell us a little bit about PNP specific healthy communications initiative, which I know you've been spearheading, um, mm-hmm in order to sort of combat this lack yes. of health literacy that exists um, and what makes it different from just like the, the standard FDA definition of health literacy? What do we do? Sure, yes, so um, our approach, which is called healthy communications, um, is a really, it's a holistic approach to making sure that patients can access, use, and understand health content. So. Um, that definition from the FDA, our approach actually predates that definition from the FDA, and it was just sort of a nice, it was satisfying mm-hmm. to hear oh, that, snap. That's, <laughs> that that's what came out, because I was like, oh, that's what we're doing here already. Yeah. So, um, back. Yeah, exactly. You're welcome, FDA. Someone take our idea? <laughs> Do we have an um, FDA mole in yeah. the armpit? Exactly. So, uh, so yeah, so again, um, healthy communications goes way beyond just making sure, for example, copies written at, at the right grade level. So... Um, we start by making sure patients can access the information we're trying to give them. So very literally, like, we consider their demographic, you know, like um, where they live, how old they are, their gender, um, their socioeconomic status. And based on those things, what kinds of technologies do they have access to and what do they like to use? So their, their, what we call their channel selection and their technology profile. Um, so then once we make sure they can access the information, we make sure they can use the information. And by usability, we mean that we consider things like their physical capabilities and their cognitive abilities um, based on whatever condition they might have. And then also what we call their patient goals, which means kind of what are they trying to get out of the information. So um, for example, if it's for something like physical abilities, if we're producing an app for someone with dexterity issues, we might make sure that the buttons are oversized so it's super easy for them to navigate the app. Or if we're doing print materials for someone with dexterity issues, we make sure that the paper stock is appropriate and super easy to hold, or that tabs are really big, or that the brochure might lay open on its own on the table as opposed to, you know, so they don't have to hold it. Um, And then once we make sure they can access and use the information, then kind of the last component is make it clear, which is, again, the kind of more traditional um, definition of health literacy, uh, ensuring that copy is written at a certain grade level, ensuring that it's scannable. I mean, uh, one differentiation I like to make is it's not just easy to read, it looks easy to read. Um, So, you know, if you've ever gotten an email and it's one giant paragraph. Mm-hmm. Not gonna read it. <laughs> and you see Wayne it, is you not just, read it. Wayne's not gonna read it. So you might sort of glaze over and not read it. If you didn't change a single word in the text and just turn that one block of text into four paragraphs, or even better, a bulleted list that ended with a bold question of what you wanted from that email, 
that's way more approachable. So that literally has nothing to do with what the words actually say. It's just making it look approachable. And that's an aspect of it that, you know, often, especially in healthcare, when you sort of have to say things a certain way or you have to use certain words because that's, you know, the, what the regulatory team requires, there's still a lot you can do to make something more approachable. Yeah. Those are all such great, small, but very impactful examples um, that you brought up, like even just the, you know, oversized buttons or, or mm -hmm. something like they're, they're things that, um, that's, that just seem like a natural thing that you would think about, but I, mm -hmm. I'm sure that not everybody does. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, there's an example that goes around about a company that made an app for a patient base that largely, again, lives in inner cities but the app only worked on an iPhone. And if you know anything about what patients in inner cities use, they use Android phones. Mm -hmm. So no one could use the app. Right. So, you know, they probably <laughs> spent a lot of time and money, you yeah. know, developing this. And then no, literally no one could access or use the information. Um, so it's simple things like that where, like you said, it seems like the most obvious thing in the world, but it can be very easy to kind of not pull back and ask these kind of larger questions right. about what you're doing. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in order to have, in order to check off and make sure your your work is health literate or uh, it's following the guidelines of healthy mm -hmm. communications, make it accessible, mm -hmm. make it usable, mm -hmm. then make it clear. Mm -hmm. uh, can you give us an example of some good health literacy? One campaign that we did that I was really proud of a few years ago was um, a stroke awareness campaign, where um, the story came back to us. So it was uh, one of the pieces was a billboard on the side of a highway. Um, and it was the stroke, uh, you may have seen it, ACT FAST, which ACT FAST itself was not the thing that we came up with, but that's kind of a common acronym, mm -hmm. and I forget what F-A-S-T stands for, but the first image on the billboard is of a woman whose half of her face kind of has dropped, which is a physical sign of a stroke. And um, we got feedback after the fact from a patient that it was a mother in her 20s who was having a stroke, and her six-year-old daughter said to her, Mommy, your face looks like the face in the billboard. Oh. Wow. And it quite literally saved her life. Like, and so I just think that's such a great example of, you know, putting information where everyone can see it, where it's accessible. Um, it's obviously usable and clear because a six-year-old yeah. was able to literally save her mother's life. And I forget if it was a six-year-old that called 911, but it was it was the six-year-old who alerted her mother to the fact that, that she was happened. having a stroke. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's amazing. So we had talked to some of our social team when they came back from South by Southwest um, in a previous episode, plug for the South by Southwest <laughs> <laughs> recap episode, um, about how they were at a session where it was discussed that empathy be used as a strategy, which mm -hmm. is, is interesting in that, again, it sort of seems like something very obvious, like of course you're going to have empathy for your audience, but the idea that m not everybody really considers it and um, it, it may not be as obvious as it seems, mm -hmm. they, they ended up having a whole panel about it, which mm -hmm. I thought was just fascinating. Mm -hmm. and I, I was just curious if you feel like there is anything similar in that concept to the concept of health literacy where there's overlap or where it maybe differs from that concept. For sure, I mean, I, I think they're very related if not almost the same thing. Right. I mean, the, if empathy is your ability to be sensitive to and sort of try to embody whatever another person is going through, um, not embody, but be sensitive to and 
try to respond in an appropriate way to an emotion or an experience that someone else is going through, um, kind of putting yourself in another person's shoes, that's absolutely what health literacy is, healthy mm -hmm. communications mm -hmm. is. Yeah. It's putting yourself in the patient's shoes and figuring out from the patient's perspective what the patient needs. How, you know, what is the patient, what's the appropriate content for that patient? How does the patient want to receive the content? How can they most use that content? Um, but it's really all about putting yourself in the patient's shoes, mm -hmm. um, which is exactly what empathy is. Right. Um, and like you said, you know, again, it's it's obvious, but at the same time, no one's doing it. Right. You know? So. Yeah. I mean, I think they gave the example of um, like a slow checkout line at a yes. supermarket yes. for, um, you know, people with dementia yes. or people that need a little more time mm -hmm. so that they weren't being rushed. Mm -hmm. um, and I've really been trying to think about that personally a lot as mm -hmm. we go through concepts and just thinking about different mm -hmm. ideas, you know, where it's just it maybe takes a little more time than just sort of like plugging and playing yeah. things that you're used to and just taking a step back and thinking about truly what your audience needs. Yes. And it can make such a huge difference. For sure. I, yeah. I heard a patient speaker recently who had a rare disease, um, hypoparathyroidism, and she was talking about the brain fog that she gets from this disease. And I know that that happens with a lot of diseases. It happens with MS. It happens with plenty of diseases where your cognitive ability really declines. And she was saying, she went, by the time she got to an e the end of a paragraph, she couldn't remember the beginning of the paragraph. Yeah. So, like, you know, again, just keeping that in mind, you know, is a paragraph even the right way to convey that information in the first place? Right. And I know we even talked about um, the idea that that everybody has some level of brain fog when you're first being told yes. information about oh, your health. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. You know, for the first time, whether it's something is you know something super serious or even something not as serious. Yes. Like being you know anybody sitting in a chair being told by a doctor you have cancer, everybody's going to hear wah 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 right. wah yeah. wah. You know, right. and right. I feel like that's when health literacy is right. the most important. Totally. You know, you have to have empathy for the person that's sitting across from you mm -hmm. that just is. Yep. Yeah, totally. totally. I remember uh, I had surgery on my foot a year or so ago, and the first thing he said was, it's a 12-week recovery period. And I had a one and a two-year-old at the time. And so as soon as I heard 12, week that I couldn't, 12 weeks that I couldn't walk, yeah. I was in my <laughs> own head about what the hell, what are we going to do? Yeah. What yeah. am I going to do? How am I going to come to work? How am I going to yeah. take care of the girls? And so anything he said after that, gone. Didn't hear. Didn't yeah. hear it. Yeah. Totally gone. <laughs> I, I feel like I go through that every single time I visit the doctor. Yeah. I like sit in the chair and the allergist is just like, totally. yeah, so you have to take this inhaler two times yeah. a day and then <laughs> pop this once a day. I'm like, uh, yeah. Yeah. uh, yeah. And you just end up doing everything. Yeah. But uh, when it comes to sort of like our behaviors and our patients' behaviors, uh, we see that changing every single day. Uh, we're moving towards voice technology. We're moving mm -hmm. towards chatbots. Mm -hmm. uh, things are getting digital and virtual. Mm -hmm. uh, is there any change in how we approach health literacy or how we approach uh, the Healthy Communications Initiative when we're handling these forms, these for sure. I mean, I, mediums? I, I think for all of that stuff, the first thing to ask in terms of healthy communications is, are those things appropriate for that patient audience? You know, like that's sort of the, big, the biggest question, right, is to make sure that, you know, if you have, if something like a virtual assistant um, or a chat bot might be, useful for someone with dexterity issues because they don't have to then they don't have to type. Well, if the person with dexterity issues is an elderly person, is that person going to want to use some sort of new technology? Mm -hmm. You know, so I think it's not so much 
I mean, copy is copy, right? Whether you're writing for digital or print or whatever, there's always sort of basic principles you should apply to make sure patients can understand what you're saying. But I think, as with anything, you have to decide if, which we do here anyway, of course. Mm -hmm. We're not just employing the latest technology for the sake of it being the latest technology, but that it's actually the best way to communicate with patients. You know, I mean, there are older patient populations that still want print. Mm -hmm. They still want mail. Yeah. Um, so don't just do podcasts because it's fun. Do podcasts right. because you know your audience. Or right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Not a bash on the podcast. Yeah. No. <laughs> Not a bash on podcasts. Podcasts no. are amazing. I love podcasts. <laughs> so I guess health, health literacy can change from platform to platform. Yeah. I, it, it, to some sure. extent. Sure. Yes. It, it definitely can. I mean, um, the kinds of things you consider for print might be different than the kinds of things you consider for digital. Um, but like I said, you know, copy is still copy. Copy's and, copy, you know, yeah. things like making sure that stuff is um, scannable mm -hmm. kind of applies across the board. I mean, if you're doing something like social posts, you know, you're not so concerned with making the contrast really easy because chances mm -hmm. are Facebook is Facebook and there's nothing you can do about that. Um, but... Again, I think I think the the key thing with any medium is deciding it's the right medium in the first place and deciding what patients use it for. I mean, some patients really something like social, you know, patients with cystic fibrosis can't be in the same room together because they'll con um, it's contagious or yeah. it's, you know they could get sick from each other. So something like social, they really really that's their community, you know, and that's what they really rely on versus. Other disease states, you know, they might look to it for comfort, but it's not literally their whole community. Right. And it may not be the place that they're actually seeking educational information right. as much. They right. might be just looking, like you said, for comfort or, right. you know, And that's what fun. we mean by patient goals is really figuring yeah. out what the what patient want. wants, what kind of information the patient wants, and what they use the different mediums for. Right. Yeah. Taking that extra step. Yeah. Exactly. So, Susan... Uh, how can an organization like ourselves uh, ensure that we are checking all the boxes when it comes to healthy communications? Um, so one thing we've started to do that I think is super useful is creating healthy communications guidelines by brand. So really nailing down what each individual patient audience needs in terms of accessibility, usability, and clarity. What are the specific need? you know, does this particular patient audience have cognitive issues is this particular patient audience you know anything from you know if it's low vision is the, do we have to keep fonts at a certain size do we have to keep colors a certain way um like i said we, do we know that they use social for particular things so i think r actually writing down which is something um, we started to do across the agency these guidelines um for each individual brand and it's a really good way to kind of collect all the information in one place it's a nice way, it's a nice thing to be able to refer to anytime you start, well, anytime you consider what projects you'll do, but then also when you start projects. Um, and it's a really, really great thing to refer to when you get external feedback. Yeah, it's so smart. Yeah. So to be able to have in one place, so when the regulatory committee comes back and says, no, you have to say it this way, um, not that it's a binding document, but to kind of have the information at your fingertips to say, well, don't forget, our patients you know, have this particular cognitive challenge and they wouldn't understand it if we said it this way. Um, and in an ideal world, you'd even get your regulatory or marketers or whoever to sort of buy in on the guidelines so that right. we're all kind of mm -hmm. working in the same space. Um, right. And we all kind of agree on 
what these patients are able to access and use and understand. Um, and I think everyone basically agree. It's not it's not that people don't agree. It's just that I think, especially regulatory committees, kind of have to be reminded that the FDA supports health literacy too. You know, if the fear is getting a letter from the FDA, well, in fact, the FDA is all about health. health FDA has its own health literacy initiatives, um, and they're all about supporting making sure that uh, material materials are accessible and usable and clear to patients. And even having, um, maybe even having patients, uh, patient example patients kind of coming in and reviewing yeah. guidelines for the brand and saying like, totally. I, you know, like having mm -hmm. a co-creation session yes. and saying, yeah, yeah sure. this, this means a lot to me yes. as a patient yes. would be great to mm -hmm. have, again, to go back to Yes, it can definitely overlap MLR with co-creation. Yeah. And, you know, getting patients involved. Yeah. Um, and making sure you update it as you learn right. more about your patient. You know, the also the intent of it is that it's kind of a living document so that when you get new research, when you get new patient feedback, you're able to um, adapt. Yeah. Do you think that there's anything that patients can do when trying to stay more informed or knowledgeable about their condition that can kind of help contribute to a, a more health literacy in the world? Um, yes. I mean, I think obviously be careful of just Googling, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like Google. we've, uh, <laughs> we be careful, we, you know, be leery of Dr. Google. Um, my mother-in-law is a big fan of Dr. Google. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that doesn't help anything. Right. It's very alarmist. Mm -hmm. It's very sort of, you know, and I mean, I get it. And that's what patients do, right? As soon as, soon yeah. as you... I've done that. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody's you probably guilty of it at some point. Yeah. Totally. For yourself, for your parent, for mm -hmm. your child. Mm -hmm. You know, you just want to go on the internet. The good news, bad news is there's a ton of information out and there. And you go on a rabbit hole. Of you go a rabbit it hole. Of now you it could be cancer. It could yeah. be. It could be. Um, so I think, obviously, don't do that. Mm -hmm. You know, and paying <laughs> special attention to getting information from reliable sources Obviously, your doctor should be the number one source. Asking your doctor what are other good, reliable sources. Um, and in visiting doctors, you know, not being afraid to ask questions, not being afraid to ask a doctor to repeat something, not being afraid to take the time to write stuff down, you know, going to the doctor with questions prepared ahead of time. Because mm -hmm. I think, again, like kind of in the situation, you get kind of nervous and, you know, or at least I do, mm -hmm. yeah. and you forget what you were going to say, you forget what you were going to ask, and then you forget what the answer was, and so on and so forth. Um, recording what they're saying. Yeah, I was just going to yeah. say, I've done that before with um, with doctor appointments. If it was something, maybe I knew it was going to be more complicated, mm -hmm. I just, like, asked if it was okay, if I could record it if so you could, that that's, I yeah. remember it. Yeah. yeah. Or just bringing someone with you, Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. bringing a friend to remind you of what you were going to say, to listen also to what the doctor said, to, you know, I mean, I think that happens more often when the person having the appointment is either a child or an older person, mm. but right. it's totally good for a healthy, not child or yeah, older person to bring a friend to. Yeah, be their you know? uh, health health literacy advocate. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, my exactly. mama's health literacy advocate. Exactly. Yeah. And, oh, and to <laughs> ask, I mean, one of the things that pedi my pediatrician does for my girls is um, send me a write-up afterwards. Like I, I go. They print out, you know, at least what the diagnosis was, what the symptoms are, what the treatment is, so I can take it home with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think just not great. being afraid to advocate. I mean, again, I think health literacy is about empowering patients to be able to make 
good decisions. So the more information you have, the more empowered you'll be, and you should insist on that. Exactly. You should insist on having the information. Yeah. yeah. Expect more from your from your doctor mm -hmm. and expect yeah. more from your experience. And then yep. health yeah. literacy will continue to grow. Definitely. Hopefully. It's inspiring. I mean, uh, I wish you can give a talk to my mom because my <laughs> mom just went through, uh, like, she had, like, varicose veins. I'm sorry, mom, for putting on a spot. But she had surgery on <laughs> her, uh, her legs. And yeah. the next day, she's, like, moving furniture for my cousin. <laughs> and I'm like, that's, I'm pretty sure you're supposed to be on bed rest right now. And she's yeah, like, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, it's fine. It's fine. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> well, bring her in. We'll have lunch. I know, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, so from here forward, how do you see uh, health literacy or PMP's Healthy Communication Initiative uh, sort of evolving? What are our next steps? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I think kind of keeping up with the fact that health literacy is the knowledge of health literacy, the importance of health literacy in the country is definitely growing. So not only the FDA, the NIH, the CDC, they all have health literacy initiatives now. Um, so part of our job is to just make sure we're keeping up with that and staying ahead of it. Um, I also think we're doing a really good job of considering health literacy from our initial tactical planning, like really deciding what tactics we're doing based on health literacy. Mm -hmm. And when we get a new client, kind of giving them our health literacy shtick from the very beginning and getting them to understand that this is how we're going to approach our work. Um, even with, you know, when we're developing our very first messages, again, here, re regulatory committee, this is our health literacy shtick. Um, this is why we want to say things in this way. And I think whatever you can do to kind of educate the marketers, the regulatory teams, and of course the agency, we're also in the process of retraining the entire agency, brand team by brand team. Um, I think just kind of continuing to expand the role. I mean, the idea of it and the principles of it, I'm not sure are changing that much, but I do think that the way we implement it and the degree we implement it across the brands is really increasing. Um, even things like formalizing that, we do it for materials to doctors too. You know, I think initially everyone's like, oh, we don't have to worry about healthy communications for this because it's for doctors, and that's not the case. So, um, you know, remembering that it's inclusive, remembering that it applies to everybody. Um, remembering that it applies, you know, a whole other level of health literacy is for people whose uh, first language isn't English. Like, remember that not everyone you're talking to um, has English as a first language. Actually, uh, the FDA has a translation services hotline now where oh, specifically awesome. for that reason that um, patients can call and um, they can get help in other languages. Yeah. That's awesome. Susan, thank you so much for joining us today. It was just a pleasure to talk to you. And um, Thank you. And I, I think that everyone who's listening can hopefully come away with a few um, new bits of information about health literacy in general, but also about what they can look for uh, as current or future patients, what they can ask their doctors for, um, and hopefully make the world a more health literate place. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed Susan as much as we did. No matter your age, health literacy is something important to understand and advocate for. It really does make all the difference. Until the next episode. Bye. Bye.